Thank you, Eric. Thank you, Miss Carrie, for playing the piano too. <laughs> it would have been a tragedy if I had to sing and try to play the piano at the same time. You would have been <laughs> greatly disappointed, I guarantee you. But uh, open your Bibles tonight, if you would, to Second uh, Peter in the New Testament. Second Peter and chapter one. Second Peter chapter one. And I'm going to read this whole chapter here real quick. It's not very long. It's only about. Uh, Let's see, 21 verses, and we're just going to read quickly through this whole chapter here uh, before the sermon. And if you'd follow along, 2 Peter chapter 1, and starting in verse number 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of our Lord, uh, and of this our Lord according as his divine power hath given us unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that have called us to glory and virtue, whereby we are given, uh, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. And and I want you to notice these words, for if these things, I want you to notice those words, for if these things, verse 8, for if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall never, neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he that lacketh these things, is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fail. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you uh, uh, abundantly into the everlasting kingdom, kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must be putting off, I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Moreover, I, I will endeavor that ye may be able to, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables, when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came, uh, when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were in the mount, in, with him in the holy mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye shall do well that ye, whereunto uh, ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. This, uh, knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Um, I'd like to just, uh, 
talk to you briefly this, uh, tonight, and hopefully I'm, it's not going to be too long of a sermon. I'll try to speed it up as much as I possibly can to get you out of here soon. Um, but the title of my sermon is How to Never Fail. How to Never Fail. And you say, what? I mean, we're human beings. We can, we can fail. I know. I know. But God gives a plan. God gives some advice to you. God gives His Word to tell you how you can make sure that if you do these things that He just mentioned in here, that you can never fail. And, and, and now I know we're going to fail. Don't get me wrong. Okay. But here's the outline. God wants us not to fail. All right. So you could, uh, another uh, subtitle for this sermon might be these things that he's talking about. Or in, in the vernacular, we might just say, Hey, not, how not to be a loser. Okay. If you want to put it that way. Okay. That might be another title, but the title is how to never fail. Well, okay. We're looking at second Peter chapter one. Now Peter was nearing his death. Okay. He was getting older. He had done the vast majority of his ministry on earth that he was supposed to do. And he was getting older. Okay, now he was realizing that he wasn't going to be here forever. He had a limited time. And you'll notice that when people have a limited time, they tend to concentrate more on the things that are important. Look at verse 13 and verse, uh, first verses starting in 13 through 15. Let me read to this again. Look what Peter said. He said, yay, in verse 13. Yay, I think it meet. That means, meet means suitable or, or fitting. I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle, speaking of his body, to stir you up in the putting you in remembrance. He said, I want to put you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, meaning he's going to leave his body, he was going to die, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able to, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. So, hey, Peter is nearing his death, and he's saying, what is important to me? What, what's important? What, what is important to me is telling you what you should hold as important also. So he ha- says, these things I'm going to tell you. These things. Very important things. What are these things? Well, okay. Peter was nearing his death. He says, I'm putting you in remembrance. The closer we get to death, the more we tend to limit, we, we tend to realize our own limitations. You know, we were talking earlier about, you know, some, some things and, you know, Clint Eastwood said a man's gotta know his limitations, right? <laughs> a man's gotta know his limitations. That, that, you know, Clint Eastwood was not a prophet of God, by the way. But he's, he said that, okay? Now, that is true, unfortunately. You know, a man does have to know his limitations. And the, and the more you get older, the more, uh, you experience you get under the belt, your belt, the more you realize that you have limitations. And the more you will realize that you'll have physical limitations also, okay? So we need to be concerned. The older we get, we tend to get more concerned about the things that really matter, okay? When you're young, you don't think about these things. When you're in high school, Bailey, uh, you don't think (laughs) about the things that, you know, that older people think about. You think about your schoolmates, you think about the stuff that's going on in school, things we were talking about before service. But you know what? When you get older, you tend to focus on things that really matter, okay? So the question is, what really matters to you, okay? Now, wait a second here. But don't wait until you're older. Don't wait until you're older. Concentrate on the things that really matter now. Find out what really matters now and concentrate on those things now, okay? James 4.14 says, What is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Your life is just a vapor, you know. Before long, I mean, I'm almost 60 years old, okay? And 
It's going fast, I'm telling you, okay? And the problem is, is that the older I get, I'm like, man, where did all the time go? And as you get older, you'll notice this. Time seems to speed up like crazy the older you get. And you have limited amount of time. Your life, before you know it, I look back on my life. I've lived almost, you know, getting closer to 60 years now. And I look back on my life and I think, man, where did it go? It was like a vapor. It appears for a little while and then it vanishes away. Okay? Hey, our life is exactly like that. So what am I saying? We need to take advantage. We need to find out what is important and do those things now. Because, you know, why wait until you're my age? Okay? Why wait until you're my age and then figure out, okay, now I know what to do, and now I'll start doing it. Hey, what about the 60 years before that? Why not when you're 15 do it? Why not when you're 20? Why not when you're 30? Why not when you're 40? Why don't you do it then? I'm the oldest one in this room, it looks like. Okay? And let me tell you, I don't care how old you are. Find out what's important and start doing that now. Okay? Start doing it now. Don't wait. Don't wait. You, all you have is time. That's all you have here on earth. That's all you've got. Time. Now, once you die, that's it. You can't do anything else for God. That's it. Okay? You're going to spend eternity with heaven, in heaven, if you're saved, and I'm assuming everybody in this room is. Okay? Please don't wait. Please decide now to do those things that are important. Okay? I had a wake-up call several months ago myself. A lot of you in the room know this. Our visitors don't. I don't know if Josh does or not, but... But um, I had a wake-up call several months ago, and uh, I went to the eye doctor, and, uh, and uh, you know, all of a sudden my, my vision was just going bad. I mean, uh, just rapidly bad. You know, I mean, I couldn't read, you know, normal print anymore, and, and I had no idea what was going on. So I went to the eye doctor. eye doctor said, well, let's do a, a scan. He put me in some sort of big old machine, did a scan, took a picture of the backs, the backs of my eye, and he says, you need to get to an eye specialist right now. I'm like, okay. And he says, you have your your macula, which is the back of the eye, is extremely swollen, and you need to get. And and so he he allowed it. He allowed me to see an eye specialist, an eye surgeon actually. Um, and I and he must have been pretty concerned because the guy got me in there in like three days flat, which was unheard of. He had a, he had a backlog of like six weeks. Okay, but he made an exception to get me in there three days later. And so I, my wife and I went there. He did all kinds of tests. We did all sorts of tests. And he sat my wife and I down, and he says, well, you've got retinopathy with macular edema. Now, what that is is it's the swelling of the macula, the back of the eye, which is, you know, I don't know all about eye mechanics or anything like that, but but it's basically swelling. And uh, it's in, and it's in, this, in my case, it's pretty much irreversible. It's progressive. It means it gets worse and worse and worse as time goes on. And he said, uh, that's what you've got. And the back of your eye fills with blood. That's what's causing the swelling. And eventually, uh, if you don't get this treated right away, that, that's going to, the back of your eye is going to swell, and it's just going to pop. And when it pops, you'll be permanently blind for the rest of your life in both eyes. This was happening. And I said, Come on, <laughs> you know that, that 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 doesn't happen to me. Come on, you know I, I I can still see, I can still read. You know it's just getting a little worse. It's not that bad. You know I can still see that. You know you're ugly, doctor. You know, and my, but no, I, I you know I was kidding around with it, and he said, you know, he said, look, okay. I said, what does this mean? He said, well, if you don't get treatments, if you don't get this taken care of, 
Okay, you're going to be completely blind within six to 12 months. And I said, <laughs> I was like, completely blind? And he just, matter of fact, says, yes, that's right. And so that was kind of my wake-up call uh, a few months ago. And um, he said, unless we do some aggressive surgeries and treatments now, uh, he said there's no guarantees. Um, you will go blind eventually, even with the treatments. Even if we do what we're supposed to do, you will go blind. So the best this, these treatments are going to do is, is that to slow down the process, okay? And hopefully you have a few more years, you know, as a result of these, these treatments, and you won't go completely blind right away, okay? So I'm like, oh, my goodness. I mean, that was like a, that was like a freight train hitting me, okay? I was like, you got to be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. I'm gonna go blind. I mean, it, and it's not a situation where it was, you might go blind. It, you will go blind. It's a question of when. Okay? And so, I'm gonna be honest with you, that scared the fire out of me. That scared the fire out of me. I don't like darkness one bit. <laughs> I just don't. Okay? And, um, I remember sitting, you know, the night after this happened, my wife was in bed and it was about midnight and I'm sitting up in where I read my Bible and stuff and, and I just, I just cried my eyes out to God. I said, you know, hey, uh, I don't want to go blind. You know, I don't, if, if I go blind, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, uh, I don't like blindness. I, that night I, I closed my eyes and tried walking around the house without being able to see anything just to see what it was like. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't like it one bit. <laughs> didn't like it one bit. And so that scared me. Okay. I'm going to go blind. You got to be kidding me. God, please don't make that happen. But as I found out later on, my condition is getting worse, and they are able to slow it down. I'd probably be blind right now if it had not been for these treatments. So what did they do? These uh, The doctors said, well, you're going to have to go through eye surgery, laser surgery first off. And uh, this is not just like the normal LASIK surgery that people get where they correct the vision with a few laser burns into your eye. Um, I had several hundred into each eye laser burns and you can feel them trust me <laughs> you can feel the burns <laughs> when they do it and uh i think one of them was like 300 and some burns then another one was like 400 and something and then the third one was a real killer because it was just seven it was what was it 700 and something i don't know 700 and something burns and i mean you have to sit there perfectly still and not move the entire time and it for those 700 burns it probably took them i don't know how long? Ten minutes? Ten minutes for those? And it's just like, you know, I'm like, so I went through that. Now, after he, after he did that, I got up from the chair. I couldn't see anything. I was blind. I, you know, I was like, um, I can't see anything. He was, don't worry, that'll come, that'll, that'll come out of it. And fortunately, I did several minutes later, but I was worried there for a little bit. And so, that's the first things I've, I've, I've been having. I've had about five of those type of laser surgeries so far. And then every month, every four weeks, I have to have injections into my eyeballs. Okay? And that's where they actually take a needle and poke it into your eyeball <laughs> and inject this stuff that makes it so that your macula or the back of your eye does not swell anymore. Okay? Or it reduces the swelling. Okay? So I've got to have that. Basically, they told me, you're going to have that for the rest of your life until you go blind, okay? And so that's what I've got, I had to go through. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Why did I tell you all that? The reason I told you that is because you don't know what's going to happen in your life, okay? You don't know. 
You might go blind. You might be crippled. You might end up as a quadriplegic. You might have a tragedy in your life. You might lose your wife. You might lose your husband. You might lose a child. Something might happen that in your life that would be a tragedy. And like I said, we need to concentrate now on the things that are important. The things that are important. It caused me to reevaluate my own limitations. I'd lose most of my eyesight eventually. I decided, I, I, you know, those of you that know me, one of my sermons, if you look on YouTube, was uh, 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 how to be a tribulation prepper. Remember that sermon I gave? I don't know, but it was, it was. And I'm, for those of you that know me, I'm kind of like a prepper type, you know, a little bit, not not big time, but you know, a little bit. And so I, I decided to prepare myself. I said, hey, I'm going to concentrate the things that matter now while I still have my eyesight. I know it's going to be harder to read my Bible. It's going to be harder to go places. It's going to be harder to drive my car. I can't drive at night now. Okay. It's harder to go soul winning too when you can't see as well. If you go blind, it's going to be hard to live life in general and even to make a living. But I said, you know, the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Okay. God will help you. Okay. And I, I said to myself, God knows what I'm going through, and I need to get my, I, you know what, I need to, I need to get my life straight, okay? Yeah, I, I read my Bible before, yeah, I, go, I went to church before, yeah, I did the things that I was supposed to do, I went soul winning before, but you know what, I never took it that seriously. I, I just didn't, I, you know, I, I just didn't. I didn't think it was that important. It wasn't, a, you know, I knew it was important, you know, don't get me wrong, but I didn't make it a priority. And so what this did is it kind of woke me up a little bit. And it made me realize that, you know what, I may not have another chance to use the tools I currently have, the ability to see. So I need to prepare and and, and do as much for God now. So the doctor, uh, knowing that I would probably go blind, he, he filled out some paperwork for my entrance into uh, uh, to be accepted into the Hadley School for the Blind. And I'm learning Braille right now. I'm learning Braille so that... Um, before I go blind, I'll know Braille, you know, because reading the Bible is important to me. So what I did is I went out and I bought and I and I got a a King James Bible in Braille. And if you think it's a little thing like this, it's not. Okay, a King James Bible in Braille. My my volumes are this a shelf this long. It's almost six feet, you know, five feet long probably in Braille because Braille takes up a lot of space. So I I'm learning Braille with Hadley Institute uh, Institute for the Blind. Okay, I'm enrolled right now. Okay, I've been telling you, I'm done with the first class, I'm on the second class now. There's four classes total. Okay, I got myself a King James Bible in Braille. I got myself a huge, now I, I do computer work, I'm a computer programmer, I do all sorts of things, and I got a huge monitor, okay, so that I could blow everything up in super-sized font so I could still see it, so I could still do my work, at least while I can. So I did some things to take care of those problems and to set myself up and to prepare. I started concentrating also on soul winning a little bit more. I realized that, you know what, I need to focus on what's important. But you know what, even if I do go blind, you know what, I can still go soul winning. You know what, I'll get myself one of those white canes they have, those blind people, you know what, and I'll have Pastor Tommy lead me to the door, you know, and we'll, we'll and he'll talk to folks, and, and I, I still have a voice. I refuse to stop going soul winning if I go blind. Because I still have a voice. I still can preach the gospel to people that need to get saved. I can still do what God wants me to do, even though I don't have my sight. Okay? I don't, if, you, if you've ever gone soul winning with me, how many, how many people ever saw me go soul winning with the New Testament in my hand? You ever notice that? That I don't use one? 
Because I can't read it. <laughs> it's too small a print. I gotta have larger print. My sermon right here, if you'll notice this, you know, I had to print out stuff in like size 22 font just, just, just to read my sermon here. Okay? I can't even use that. So I had to, I have to memorize all the soul winning verses and I tell people with my voice. I, I quote those verses and I go through the plan of salvation with my, with my voice. And you know what? You should probably memorize those verses too because you don't know what's going to happen. You may not have a, a, a Bible with you when you need to witness to somebody. Okay, so hey, that's what I started doing. I started preparing. I started preparing, and I focused on the things that matter. Okay, my voice is not going to be silenced by blindness. It's just not, folks. Don't wait until God takes your eyesight away to get serious for God. Don't wait until God takes your health away before you get serious for God. Don't wait. Even until everything in your life gets perfect. I know a lot of people are waiting for that. Well, when this turns out right, when this turns out, when I get more money, or when I, when I get the, the, the right house and the right job and the right car, you know, I'll do what God wants me to do. No! Do what God wants you to do now. And focus on what God wants you to do now. And don't wait until things are perfect, because I'm telling you, things are not going to be perfect for you all the time. And you know what? Especially don't wait until God takes something from you in order to get your attention. To take your sight away or takes your health away or takes your, your ability to walk up to a door and knock on a door. Don't wait until he takes away that ability. Use your abilities you have now. You don't know how much time you have. Your life is a vapor. Your life is a vapor. Do great things for God now while you have the physical abilities. So, let's go back to Peter, Second Peter chapter 1. Peter was getting ready to die. He was going to be moving off the scene. He was thankful. Uh, he, was, he, was, he was trying to remind the faithful. He, he's writing this to the saved people. If you'll notice in the first few verses, he's, rem, he, he's writing to the faithful, those people that are saved, and of some things while he still had a chance to tell them these things. Peter in chapter 1, I want you to notice those words like I asked you before. Those two words, these Things, these things, starting in verse 8, verse 8, chapter 1, verse 8. For if these things be in you and abound, they shall make you that ye shall be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9, he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he is purged from his old sins. Verse 10, wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. Skip down to verse 12. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. Verse 8, these things. Verse 9, these things. Verse 10, these things. Verse 12, these things. It must be pretty important. He mentioned it several times in these verses. These things. Peter was getting ready to die. He wanted to remind folks of these things. Now, what are these things that Peter's talking about? What's, what's he so concerned about? He's dying. He's, his last words, many of, he doesn't know how much longing he has. His last words to these people is, listen, folks, you need to concentrate on these things. Now, listen, hey, this isn't just some, you know, TV preacher talking here. This isn't even somebody from a, from a, a, a pulpit in a church talking. This is the apostle Peter talking. Okay. Walked with Jesus. Okay. Wouldn't, wouldn't you think that what he's about ready to say is going to be pretty darn important? I think so. It is. Okay? Well, let's see. Okay? What are these things? Peter was talking about these things in verse 8, so let's go back to see what these things he was talking about. Okay? Starting in verse 5. Listen, he says this in verse 5. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Now, 
Notice he starts off with faith. He assumes that you're saved. Okay, He's talking to the saved in here. So he assumes you have faith. Faith in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Trusting in what he did, his death, burial, resurrection from the cross, not trusting your works, trusting in his shed blood only, and that is your only only hope for heaven. He's talking to people that have faith already. So he assumes that you have faith already. So he's saying, add to that faith that you already have, virtue, and to virtue, knowledge. Verse 6, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness. Verse 7, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. Now, wait a minute. We're talking about these things. Okay, what are the benefits of these things? What are the benefits? We'll look back to verse 8. Here's what Peter says. Okay, here's the benefits. He says, for these things, if, if these things be in you and abound, they shall make you show that, so, uh, make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You'll be able to win souls. That's what he's saying. If if a, if a lady is barren or unfruitful, that means she can't have kids, right? Okay. Well, hey, spiritually speaking, he's talking about if you want to bring spiritual children into this world, meaning people get saved and born again into the family of God, he said, do these things. And if you do these things and they abound in you, you will never be unfruitful. You will always be uh You'll, you'll not be unfruitful. You'll not be barren. You will be able to win souls. You will be able to win souls. That's a promise from God. Okay, That's a sure thing. God promised it. You will be able to win souls. Then verse 10, the second thing is the benefits of these things. Number one, you'll be able to win souls. Number two, you shall never fall. You shall never fall. Verse 10, wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things... Ye shall never fall. What? Never fall? Well, first off, you know, is it impossible for us to, you know, to never fall? Or is it possible for us to never fall? We're humans. We have sin, okay? We have our flesh. We have our bodies. We know that, you know, in me dwelleth no good thing, right? Okay? In my body, in my flesh, okay? But he says, if you do these things and they abound in you, you shall never fall. Okay? Well, hey, how to never fall? Okay, we do these things. Okay, now what? He said those are the two benefits. Those are the big benefits. Those are big benefits. You'll never fall and you'll win souls if you do these things. Now, what if you don't have these things? If you lack these things? Well, verse 9 says basically you'll be spiritually blind. You cannot see afar off. You'll have no clue what the future will hold and you'll be blinded to the truth of God's word. So much so that you can even forget that you got saved. You can even forget that you're saved. Look at verse 9. It says, He that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Yes, it's possible to get that far blinded to where you even forget that you're saved. That you even, you know, I, and people struggle with, with assurance of their salvation when they lack these things because they forgot. They forget God's truth. They can't see. They're spiritually blind. Okay? So that's what, if you don't have these things, will happen to you. Okay? And you know what? If you forget you're saved, you'll go do all sorts of things in this world. Okay? Please listen to the things that that uh, Peter talked about. The list of these things. Well, let's go through them real quick here. 
Okay, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but look at these things. No, number one thing, he says faith. He assumes you've got faith already if you're saved, and he says add to your faith. Number two, in addition to the faith, virtue. Virtue. Now, what is virtue? Um, virtue is basically power, strength, or authority. Power, strength, or authority. Um, if you remember, the woman uh, with the issue of blood in the New Testament uh, came to Jesus, and she said she thought, you know, hey, if I touch the hem of Jesus' garment, I'll be healed. Remember that? And Jesus, it says, immediately, no, after she had done that, after she touched his garment, she was immediately healed. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched me? Or who touched my clothes? Okay? Jesus immediately knew that virtue had gone out of him. What is that? The power had gone out of him. Okay? Now, you know, don't get me wrong, that didn't make Jesus any, any, any less God or anything, okay? It was just that the power of the Holy Spirit, he could feel it surging from him and into her, okay? Virtue is power, strength, and authority. Well, where does the authority come? It comes from God. The, the, the authority comes from the Holy Spirit. When you're out soul winning, the authority comes from the Holy Spirit. The power comes from the Holy Spirit. Okay? Virtue is the power of the God, the power of the Holy Spirit. We have no power in and of ourselves. The power comes from God. Hey, get the power of God on your life. Get the power of God on your life. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? How do you get that power? You ask God for the Holy Spirit. You have not because you ask not. You have not because you ask not. If you don't ask God to give you the power of the Holy Spirit... He's not going to give it to you. You've got to ask for it. Just like when you got saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, right? Well, if you don't call upon the name of the Lord, are you going to get saved? Yes or no? No. And just like that, when you need the power of the Holy Spirit to do God's work, you need to ask him for it. Ask and you shall receive, the Bible says. Get the power of God in your life. You need to ask God for his virtue, his power, his Holy Spirit power to do his work, and you shall receive. So, number one, you have to have faith. You have to be saved. Virtue. You have to ask God for his Holy Spirit power. Number three, knowledge. Knowledge. What is knowledge? I looked it up, Webster's 1828. You know, everybody's got a different definition for knowledge. But Webster's says a clear, knowledge is a clear and certain perception of that which exists or of a truth and fact. That's what knowledge is, according to the dictionary. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Okay. Where does knowledge come from? Well, hey, Proverbs chapter 2 says, Yea, if thou criest after knowledge, and lift up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom out of his mouth, cometh knowledge and understanding. Hey, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. Out of his mouth, God's mouth. Word, this is God's word. This is God's word. This book I'm holding right here, this King James Bible. God's word. That's from the mouth of God onto these pages and into our ears. Okay? That knowledge comes from this. Hey, are you reading your Bible on a daily basis? Are you studying it? Are you... Going to the Word of God every morning. Okay? Are you doing that? 
Well, that's where the knowledge comes from. It's coming from God, His mouth. And it's recorded what God has said right here in this book. And if you don't stay in the book, you will not get knowledge. It's as simple as that. Okay? Hey, you know what? Just just do this. If you're not doing this already, my goodness, do it. Okay? Um, you can get through the whole Bible in one year by reading a little over three chapters a day. It's real simple. You know how long that took? How long did it take for me to read one chapter just now? Okay? What? Three three minutes? Okay? Do that times maybe three or four, maybe four chapters a day if you want to get ahead. I think it's like, if you break it down, it's like 3.4 chapters, you know, a day get you through the whole Bible in one year. Can't you spend 15, 20 minutes or even a half hour every day reading the Bible? Okay? Can you do that? You can't get knowledge unless you read God's Word. God's Word gives knowledge, okay? So we said, number one, faith. That's the first thing, right? Okay, virtue. Get that power of the Holy Spirit on your life. Ask for it. Knowledge. Get into this book. At least read it so that you're reading it every day. And through the Bible in one year would be my absolute minimum that I would recommend for any Christian. Okay, absolute minimum. If you can do more than that, great. Great, okay? Next, after knowledge comes temperance. The word temperance. What is temperance? Temperance is moderation. Moderation. It's the opposite of excessiveness. Okay? The opposite of excessiveness. And, you know, it, it's having a balance in your life. Having a balance. Now, why does temperance come right after knowledge? I'll tell you why. Because the Bible says knowledge puffeth up. Right? Okay? If you get smart in your own mind, okay, you get puffed up and think you know it all, okay, you're tempted to become... You're, you're, you're going to be puffed up. You're going to think that you know it all. Okay? But God says, hold it. Get that knowledge. Get that knowledge. Get in my word. Read my word. Get that knowledge from me. But also have temperance. Have moderation. Don't be excessive. Have balance in your life. Knowledge puffeth up. So temperance is the natural balance to knowledge. Okay? Temperance. Moderation in your life. Don't be so focused on one thing. Don't be a one-issue Christian. Okay, my old pastor, brother Jack Hiles, used to focus on that or preach on that quite a bit, and would say, "Don't be a one-issue Christian." He hated one-issue Christians. Somebody that was concentrating on one thing all the time. These preachers that would be concentrating on nothing but prophecy every Sunday, prophecy every Sunday, prophecy Sunday morning, prophecy Sunday night, prophecy. They were so focused on one thing that they omitted many, many parts of the Bible because they were so focused on one thing. Hey, don't you be like that. Don't you be focused on all. You know, and the, the, the and what happens is we're, we're so, we've got the Internet today. And there's many, many opportunities for us to get on rabbit trails. And and you know what? We get on rabbit trails sometimes. I do. <laughs> you know, I love, I love conspiracy theories. <laughs> I hate to admit it, but it's true. Only because a lot of them are true. <laughs> and the world says they're not true. But there's a lot of conspiracy theories out there. Okay? There's a lot on the internet that can interest somebody that's interested in conspiracy theories. You know, the New World Order stuff. You know, it's all true. Okay? But the, but you can get off on rabbit trails on some of that stuff too. Wait a second. Have some temperance. Have some moderation. Don't be excessive. Okay? You concentrate on what God concentrates on. Yeah, if you want to just sideline some of that stuff and, and think about it and have conversations about it once in a while with your friends, that's fine. It's fun to, it's fun to think about those things. Pastor Tommy preached on this thing, this, this same, same subject not too long ago. Look up that sermon if you want it. But you've got to be, you've got to be temperate. You've got to be moderate. You've got to have a balance in your life. Focus on the main things. Okay? So, we got faith, 
Virtue, knowledge, temperance. What's next? Patience. After temperance comes patience. Hey, by the way, on, on temperance, okay, it must be according to God's word on temperance, by the way, uh, not on man's wisdom, okay? Be, be teachable, okay? Don't think you know it all, okay? Go to church and listen to the preaching and make it a priority, okay? You learn and you get the knowledge, but you have to temper it also. And going to church and hearing the word of God preach is a tempering effect. It's a moderating effect upon your life, okay? If you think you know it all and you don't need to come to church three times a week when the doors are open, then you've got a temperance problem, okay? You're not going to be moderate, okay? God's given the pastor of this church, Pastor Tommy McMurtry, authority to preach from this pulpit to the members of this church. And if you're not listening to his sermons, and if you miss one, get on YouTube and listen to it. Man, oh man, okay? If you're homesick or something, do like I did a couple weeks ago. I was home and, and, and sick and I couldn't come to church, so I, I listened to a live stream, okay? That preaching from, from God's word is a moderating effect. It, it gives you balance because Pastor Tommy knows, you know, and, and is in contact with God, and he knows what the members of this church need, and it's a moderating effect upon, uh, upon our knowledge. Okay, so patience is next. Patience. Now, what is patience? Uh, dictionary says, patience is the suffering of afflictions, pain, toil, calamity, provocation, or other evil with a calm, unruffled temper. Endurance without murmuring or fretfulness. Endurance without murmuring or fret uh, or fretfulness. Okay. Hey, patience. Uh, you know, is very important. Problems and tribulations bring opportunity for patience. Romans five uh, three says, "But we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulations tribulation worketh patience. Tribulation worketh patience." Well, we're not talking about just the tribulation period. Any trouble in your life will help to build patience, okay? But you gotta have the right attitude, okay? Did you notice that dictionary definition? Yeah, you're going through problems, you're going through a rough time, you're having issues with your job, with your family, with your wife, with your in-laws, with, with your friends, with anything, with work, whatever, I don't care. How you respond to those problems is the most important. Patience is the suffering of afflictions, Pain, calamity, provocation, or other evil with, and get this, with a calm, unruffled temper. Endurance without murmuring or fretfulness. Without murmuring. Don't complain. You know what? If you read your Bible, you'll know that the Israelites in the Bible, when they murmured, when they complained, God did not like that one bit. Okay? That's God's number one pet peeve, I think, is complaining especially when God has blessed them so much. And especially since God has blessed us so much. For us to complain, we have no right to complain. We should be in hell today if we had to get what we deserve. Okay? God loves you and has given you so many benefits, and he's given me so many benefits. We have no right to complain. So how are you going to react? How are you going to react? Don't murmur. Don't fret. Don't get all bent out of shape. Okay, have some patience. If you do that, if you take it and you realize and put it in perspective, remember Job, what happened to him? He charged not God foolishly, neither he didn't sin with his mouth. 
Okay. And yet he had his whole life destroyed, his whole family destroyed, and his body pretty much destroyed. He didn't murmur. He didn't fret. He realized God giveth, God taketh away. And what did he say? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Okay. He realized that God gave him so many benefits and everything he had from him was from God. Have some patience. If you do and have the right attitude, you'll learn patience and you'll be on your way. That's one of these things. Have patience. Okay. Next, after patience comes godliness. What's godliness? Dictionary says godliness is piety or belief in God and reverence for his character and his laws. Reverence for his character and his laws. Do you have reverence for God's character and his laws? You know, like we said, you have to read and know God's laws before you can show reverence for them. If you're not familiar with the law of God, if you're not familiar with his word, you can't revere it, you can't respect it, you can't have reverence for it. You know what? When you come to your Bible reading, come reading with respect and awe and amazement when you read your Bible, okay? Have, you know, this this book is an amazing book. The Bible, God's word is amazing. And we need to come to it with absolute respect and awe and amazement. You know, you look up at the heavens, the heavens declare the glory of God. A lot of times, I'll look up up at, at, at night. I'm a, I'm a little bit of an uh, amateur astronomer. I have a telescope. And sometimes I'll look up at the sky and see all the things that God has made that are up there. And I'm amazed. I'm awestruck. I'm amazed. But you know what? What's even more amazing is God's word. Okay? Read God's word. You'll be coming to God if you realize what's in this book, okay? You'll have godliness because godliness comes by having respect and admiration and reverence for God's word. That's where godliness comes from, okay? So now, next to godliness, next is brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness, and we're almost done here. Let's let's try to finish up here. Brotherly kindness is next. Kindness and affection for those who are saved. Real simple. Kindness and affection for those who are saved. Ephesians 4.32 says, you know the verse, And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Have brotherly kindness. Love your brethren. Love the people in this, in this building. Love the people that are saved. Love the people of God. Love the church members that you serve with. Okay? You know what? Uh, you can always tell who loves God and, and or who loves the brethren and, and who doesn't really have the brethren by how much they like hanging around afterwards. You know what? If if you're one of these people that you come to church last minute, you show up at the door, you know, one minute before the service starts, you know, and boom, as soon as the service ends, boom, you're out the door. You know, I have a hard time if you do that week after week. And I understand if you do it, you know, a few times because you've got stuff going on, you know. But if you do that every time. All the time. I, I, I hate to judge you, but I'm gonna, you know, in my mind, I'm gonna think, you know, you don't love the brethren that much. You should, you should be will, you should, you should be, you should like to be around God's people. If you don't like to be around God's people, maybe you better look at yourself and say, what's, what's wrong? Something's wrong. You, you gotta have brotherly kindness. Fellowship after church. You know, talk to people a little bit. You don't have to stay for a half hour, but you know what? Just, you know, I, out here, when Pastor Tommy, especially after church or in, like between Sunday night or Sunday 
morning and Sunday night church. Um, Pastor Tommy, what I'll have, what I'll, we'll do, and, and Aaron and, you, and a lot of you guys, uh, and, and and we'll stay afterwards, and and we'll have these little discussions, you know. And it, I, I call it the advanced class because it's it's like, yeah, you get the preaching here, but then you know, out in the foyer, you know, we'll get together and we'll talk, and and you know, I'll, we'll ask Pastor Tommy questions, and he'll 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 we'll bounce stuff off of him, and then we'll get on to different subjects and things like that. And I love it. I mean, it's we get to talking about the Bible and soul winning and 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 the things of God and prophecy and and even some of the conspiracy stuff sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, we'll talk about things like that. We have fellowship one with another, right? Okay. Now, if you're averse to that. If you don't like that, maybe you ought to take a look at your life and say, hey, I need to concentrate on these things. I need to concentrate on having a little more brotherly kindness. Okay? Brotherly kindness. Okay? John 3, uh, excuse me, John 13, 35 says, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. Not if you quote a lot of Bible verses. Okay. Not if you go to church all the time. Not if you, you know, give money to the church. But if you have love one toward another. That's how people know that you're a disciple of Jesus. Okay. If you have love for the brethren. That's it. Okay. If they see that. Okay. That proves that you've got brotherly kindness. Okay. And, and you love the brethren. Okay. Now let's move on here. We said so far we've got the list here. These things, what are they? These things. Faith, the first thing. Obviously, be saved. Virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, and last is charity. Charity, okay? Well, what's charity? Um, charity is, is in the King James Bible has been defined as love in action. Okay? It's, it's, an, it's an active verb. Okay? It's, charity is not only saying that you love something, but acting upon that love also. Okay? Charity is love in action. Okay? That's what charity is. That's one of these things that you're supposed to concentrate on. Charity, love in action. Well, let me ask you something. Okay? This church, what's the number one focus in this church? Somebody tell me right now. I bet you know it off the top of your hand. Somebody tell me. Soul winning. There you go. Bingo. Absolutely. You know what? <laughs> Not even a member of this church, and you got it right. <laughs> okay, that's good. Um, but hey, soul winning is the number one thing. If you have love in action, that's 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 what soul winning is. It's love in action. You're concerned about people going to hell and spending an eternity in hell and burning forever. You don't want that to happen. You love those people, and don't tell me that you don't you you love them if you won't go soul winning. You don't care. You don't care if you don't go soul winning. Okay? If you love people, if you don't want them to burn in hell forever, you'll have charity. You'll have love in action. I don't mean just love saying, oh yeah, I'll give money to missionaries so they can go tell other people. I'll give money to the church so the pastor can tell other people. No, it's not talking about love and other people's actions. It's talking about love and your action. Okay? Do you love people enough? That's what the whole thing is about here. That's what this whole church is about. It's love and action. Okay? Look at that thing right back there. Look at that poster right back there. What's that say? Salvation. I, straight back from here. You got, you can see it right from the pulpit. How many people got saved so far this year? What's that say? I can't even read it. What's it say? 
256 people got saved so far this year as a result of soul winners in this church. Okay? Does that tell you something? Where is that located? Centrally, right there in the back of the church where you can see it. Right? That's the focus. And you know what? The focus right up here is the same thing. The focus that Pastor Tommy has is to encourage you to go out and win people to Jesus Christ and to bring them here. That's your job. Okay? He that winneth souls is wise. Not he that reads his Bible. Not he that gives his tithe. Not he that goes to church. Not he that gets baptized. Not he that uh, prays. But he that winneth souls is wise. He that winneth souls is wise. Charity, love and action, that's soul winning. That's exactly what it is. Love in action is, char- is charity. He that wins souls is wise. Folks, we need to concentrate on these things. Hey, what are the benefits? We said it. We said it. You'll be able to win souls if you have these things. These seven things that we talked about. Eight things, I'm sorry, if you include faith. Okay, seven things if you don't. Okay. These things, concentrate on them. You shall never fail if you do these things. You shall never fail. That's a promise from God. You shall never fail. Now we're going to fail, I know. Am I going to be the perfect soul winner and take every opportunity I can? I, I hardly ever do, you know. i got to admit it, okay? Do I do all these things? Am I always ask for the power of the Holy Spirit? Sometimes I forget, okay? Do I always read my Bible as much as I should? No. You know, do I always have moderation? Am I always temperate? No. Do I always have patience? <clears throat> Don't ask my wife that question, okay? Do I have godliness all the time? Of course not. Do I have brotherly kindness all the time? No, sometimes I want to get out of here because I got things I got to do. Okay? And I don't want to fellowship with the brethren. Okay? We all fail in every one of these. But I'll tell you one thing. The more you concentrate on these things that Peter was talking about, the more success you're going to have, the more you're going to win souls, and the more chances you have of never failing and never falling. If you lack these things, you'll be spiritually blind. You won't be able to see the future. And you'll even forget that you were saved. And you won't even care if you don't do any of these things. So let's concentrate on these things, folks. Hey, do these things. Concentrate. You know, mark in your Bible. Take your Bible and mark off these things and and, and remind yourself. Peter said, I want to remind you of these things. He thought this was very important. And we should think they're very important also. And they are important. These things. Do them. Please, I beg you, let's pray. Dear God, please help us now. And uh, I pray that uh, you would help us mostly to follow your word in all these things and to win souls for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. You want to sing or what? Oh, your wife's not here. Oh. I guess uh, we'll close in a word of prayer. Uh, I'll, I'll stand.